Have you ever felt like your partner is more of a roommate than a lover or spouse? Maybe you two make a fantastic team, getting the laundry done, going to the grocery store, getting the kids to and from school, but it doesn't feel like a relationship. Today on Reaction Reset, we're talking about what happens when you feel emotionally checked out of the relationship. After all, the loneliest feeling does not come from being single. It comes from being married or living with someone but feeling alone. You may love your partner, but you don't really like or feel connected to them anymore. If you're feeling like this, it's likely you've been together for some time. Your relationship has become stable and comfortable, maybe even too comfortable. During this time, you get stuck on autopilot, and it's easy to leave the relationship emotionally. Here's a few signs you or your partner has emotionally checked out. Your partner no longer values your judgment or attention. They may stop asking you for your input on work struggles or how to discipline the kids. They may even do things that they know you don't like, like leaving the dishes in the sink or clothes on the floor. Your partner no longer wants to engage with you or seems more distant. If you ask, you okay, what's the matter? They have vague responses like, oh, just work, or I'm just tired. Your partner is defensive or passive aggressive, saying things like, nothing I say is good enough, and you fight me on everything. This is when dangerous levels of resentment are building up in the relationship. Your partner seems more focused on and interested in the kids. When children are involved and there is emotional distance between you and your partner, you begin focusing more on the children. This is not healthy for you or the children. The children may get an exaggerated idea of how important they are to the relationship's survival, feeling an intense guilt if the relationship fails. A marriage must be stronger and tighter than any children born into it, or it has a greater chance of failure when the kids are gone. The amount of distance in a relationship varies by couples and their relationship style. It's a personal preference, neither's right or wrong. What's important is that you have an emotional connection. Unfortunately, when couples first begin feeling disconnected in a relationship, they don't automatically seek help. They postpone it or distract themselves from their feelings, trying to fix the situation by having another baby, taking on a new project, or maybe planning an exciting trip. Typically, couples tell themselves it's not a big deal. I mean, after all, everyone's lonely sometime in their life. But make no mistake, a chronic sense of feeling alone in your relationship is one of the underlying feelings that cause couples to split. Before these feelings develop into an affair or divorce, let's reset your reaction. Here are three ways to help you feel less isolated in your relationship. First, ask yourself if you really want this relationship. Talking to a licensed therapist can help you gain clarity. Part of your loneliness could be a disappointment in your own expectations. Are you expecting your partner to satisfy all your needs? That would be unfair and unhealthy to expect anyone to fulfill all your needs for emotional connection. Your partner may sense you feel stagnant in the relationship or are afraid to tell them. They may be withdrawing to purposely protect themselves.
Second, talk to your partner about how you feel. Does your partner know you feel unloved or distant? No one can read your mind and acting out by having an affair won't help the situation. Finally, are your beliefs about money, sex, or faith getting in the way of an intimate connection? Couples who are fighting may project the anger from a disagreement onto the conversations or situations. The distance you feel is actually about conflicting beliefs. If you talk about them, it will help bridge the distance and resolve the issue. Humans need love, acceptance, and security to grow and evolve. Our relationships are a way of satisfying these human needs. You never outgrow the need to be loved, nor should you. Remember, change your reaction, change your world. Ladies and gentlemen, the voice of reason is back in the building. You know what it is. More riveting conversation about relationships. Now, this particular topic was sent to me. Uh, by a brother so I guess this is something that he's going through and I thought it was uh very interesting I had never heard of it although of course I mean it, it once you get into the nuts and bolts of it you could see how uh prevalent this issue may be have you friend zoned your wife or husband or in general, your significant other, if you're not married. Is it possible to friend zone your husband or wife or significant other? I, I believe that it is. How do you know if you've been friend zoned by a significant other, husband or wife? Are you lonely in your relationships, your intimate relationships? one 800 920 you already know this is a national discussion, and of course, we provide a non-judgmental space here because we want people to participate. We want people to call in from all over the country, as you guys have been doing for nearly three years now. Isn't that crazy, Andy? It's been it's been in March. In March, in just a couple of months, we'll be going. Is it two years or three years? Twenty twenty one. Wow. Crazy, 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 crazy. I want you guys to get involved. The number to dial, 1-800-920-1580. What should a husband or wife or significant other do if they've been friend-zoned by their spouse or partner? Husband and wife in the friend zone? You bet. You bet. They're saying, you bet. Wow. How can the concept of a friend, how can the concept of friend zoning be applied to marital relationships? Or I would even say a cohabitating relationship. This is very interesting stuff here. And I, I really want to get into this tonight. And I want to hear your opinion. In today's modern society, the concept of friend zoning has become a common term used to describe a situation where one person desires a romantic relationship while the other only sees them as a friend. Typically, this 
phenomenon is associated with dating and relationships outside of marriage. However, can the concept of friend zoning be applied to a marital situation? Can a husband be friend zoned by a wife and vice versa? These questions that I've been asking tonight will delve into the intricacies of marital dynamics. Oh, and the complexities of emotional connections within a marriage. On tonight's topic, we will explore the concept of friend zoning within the concept within the context of marriage or cohabitation and provide insights into the signs, implications and potential resolutions for husbands, wives and significant others who find themselves in this situation. Very heavy stuff tonight, and I want to know your story. The Voice of Reason is about stories. It is about experiences. It is about what we go through on this life journey. It is about maybe potentially what we can learn when we are wounded when we are, or when we fall short, right? When we fall short of our desired goals. When we believe somebody loves us, when we believe somebody is for us, when we believe somebody is invested in us, and that uh, disappears, I mean, the feelings that come from that can really... Uh, can really rip your soul to pieces. And I want to talk to people who ha- who might be experiencing it because that's what the Voice of Reasons platform is about. Can I help you? Help me. When we come forward, the phone lines will be open. 1-800-920-1580. Get to your phone lines. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. 1-800-920-1580. I want to talk to everybody in the nation. I'm sure at some point in time, you may have dealt with it. Here we go. I'm saying guys and girls can be friends, but do I, do I think they can be best friends? Probably not. Why? Because I do think that that intimacy should be reserved for somebody of the same gender, personally. Or... If you're going to be best friends with somebody, you need to just marry them if it's a, the opposite gender because that's a perfect candidate to marry. I'm saying guys wow. and girls can be friends, but <laughs> do, I, do I think they That was heavy. Yikes. Listen. <laughs> Have you been friend-zoned in your marriage? Marital friend-zoning? Wow. Maybe even in your cohabitation relationship right you're not married but you guys are together right that's that's heavy why would somebody do that applying the concept of friend zoning to a marital relationship the concept of friend zoning in a marital relationship refers to a situation where the emotional connection between spouses resembles that of close friends rather than romantic partners. This can occur when the passion and intimacy that once characterized the relationship diminishes over time, leaving behind a deep friendship 
without that romantic spark. Friendzoning within a marriage can lead to feelings of dissatisfaction, despair, unfulfillment, and a lack of emotional and physical intimacy. Signs that a husband or wife may have friendzoned their spouse could include a lack of physical affection, minimal or absent sexual intimacy, a decrease in romantic gestures, and a shift towards a more platonic and companionate relationship. Communication may be primarily focused Oh, my goodness. Sorry, 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 sorry. People calling me and stuff. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, a companionate relationship, right? Uh, friend zoning within a marriage can lead to feelings of dissatisfaction and a lack of emotional and physical intimacy. Uh, so there are some signs that you may have been friend zoned uh, by a significant other. Okay. Signs that a husband or a wife may have friend-zoned, you know, their spouse could include lack of physical affection, minimal or absent sexual intimacy, a a decrease in uh, romantic gestures, and a shift towards a more uh, platonic and companionate relationship. This is heavy stuff tonight, and I really want to know your thoughts Because I was talking to a a friend of mine at the cigar lounge, of course, and he was explaining, you know, going through this process uh, with his wife. And then he made me think about, you know, when we were growing up, he used this example. He was talking about how although his grandmother and grandfather were still together, uh, they slept in different rooms. They rarely showed affection uh, towards one another. And I thought it was deep that he tied that. Uh, He was like, maybe that is, you know, my example. Maybe I modeled that. And I was like, I don't know, um, because your grandparents are not your primary caregiver. But You saw that as an example growing up. In the realm of romantic relationships, the concept of the friend zone is often associated with unrequited love or a lack of romantic and passionate connection. However, it is not uncommon for married couples to find themselves in a friend zone dynamic where the relationship lacks the desired level of romance and passion. On tonight's show, we, we, we will try to explore the possibility of transitioning from a friend zone dynamic to a romantic and passionate relationship within the context of marriage. We will delve into the complexities, challenges, and potential strategies for husband and wives to navigate this dynamic while maintaining their own needs and desires. This is about to be heavy. This is about to be heavy let me let me start here because I was having this conversation with a very dear friend of mine and it goes back to love right I don't know 
Who defined love? I don't know who, I, I don't know who came up with the idea that love is not enough. I don't know who came up with the idea that love can't fix everything. I don't know who came up with that idea. I, I simply don't know who came up with that. Okay? Uh, if we go back to all the spiritual annals, all of the holy books, you know, um, there is a love that is transcendent, right? There is a love that is transcendent. But I do believe the effects of a toxic society, the effects of a capitalistic, materialistic, transactional society makes tangibles, right, more meaningful than what has become or reduced to being intangible in this type of societal construct. Now, I mean, I, I mean, listen to this. Listen to this. I, I sent this text or I sent this quote to a very dear friend of mine. And I want you to hear how, let me just go into this. Have you guys heard of Paramahansa Yogananda? It was uh, Steve Jobs' only book on his iTunes, right? The book Paramahansa wrote, Paramahansa Yogananda, the book that he wrote was called The Autobiography of a Yogi. And he outlined that he came from a lineage of gurus that goes back to a 16-year-old boy who found enlightenment and then transcended death. The boy, his name changed to Babaji. And he is now known as Maha-Avatar Babaji. And from Babaji, Babaji creates a whole lineage of gurus that used a particular technique of yoga called Kriya Yoga. And one of these gurus says something quite profound. When I come forward, I'm going to let you know about it. How do you know if you're in the friend zone or not? Is it worth it to go ahead and ask the question or just ignore it? Look, I'm a big believer in... in baby steps go flirt with someone a little bit go be more tactile with them than you normally would tease them see how they respond to that i don't think if you like your friend you don't have to blow up your friendship overnight it's possible to inch forward and see if they then inch forward right. with you but it can be in degrees no one has to again it's no it doesn't have to be a drastic move how do you know if you're in the wow interesting stuff if you're in the friend zone can you flirt with your significant other i'm saying like if you're in the friend zone with your spouse, do you think they would be receptive to you flirting? Once again, interesting stuff. If you're just tuning in to the VOR, the voice of reason, hey, we're tackling a, a deep topic that was provided to me by uh, one of the listeners, and then I was able to have a conversation uh, in the Cigar Lounge about it today very heavy stuff have you been friend zoned 
by your 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 wife or your husband or your significant other. And I think it's a very interesting topic. Now, listen, before we came forward and now that we've come full circle. I was talking about the story of Paramahansa Yogananda, who comes from a lineage of gurus. Right. Now. His guru was uh, was the name of I forgot his name. Lahiri. Lahiri was his name. And then his guru before him, his name was Sri Yuktukswer. And he said something so profound. And I was basically saying we live in a loveless society pretty much. Everybody wants to get something out of relationships. Everybody wants something out of it. And in and, and a lot of ways, what we're doing, it, we're dating the plug because we're looking for a person to plug up some kind of hole in us. We're dating the plug, right? We're, we're, we're trying to date the solution to ourselves. We're trying to date the answer to, you know, what troubles us in a lot of ways. And what I was saying was, if you go back to the ancient scripts, and I was using Paramahansa, Paramahansa Yogananda's lineage as an example of this, but if you go back to the ancient scripts, it doesn't matter. The ancient Bible, the ancient Quran, uh, Ifa, uh, it doesn't matter. Buddhism, Hinduism, Taoism, Shintoism, it doesn't matter. When you go back to the ancients, the ancients had a radical, and I would say radically different view of love, right? We're talking about, I mean, we live in a time now where people get drained from being empathetic, right? People get drained from being compassionate. But I want you to hear this quote from Sri Yuktukswire. Listen to how he describes love. Now, keep in mind, today, we live in a society that says love is not enough, right? We live in a society that says uh, <laughs> love is a verb. We live in a society that says these are my love languages, speak these languages. I love the way uh, Dr. Uh, Jashana Johnson outlined how she had an issue with the love languages because she said basically the love languages are really our wounds demands, our unhealed wounds demands. So my love language is give me things, right? Or my love language is listen to me. Or my love language is, you know, uh, sh uh, give me compliments, right? Again, this is all stemming from childhood. When you look at relationship dysfunction and relationship problems, what you will find is that all of that stuff goes back to your childhood. But listen to what they said. Sri Yuktukswire. This is how he explained love. And I, and I want you to tell me how vastly different this is from how we view love today. He says, ordinary love is selfish. Darkly rooted in desires and satisfactions. He says divine love is without condition, without boundary, without change. 
He says, the flux of the human heart is gone forever at the transfixing touch of pure love. He says, the Lord responds to all and works for all. Now, this isn't very much different than John 3.16. Right? How how so? Uh, Listen to that last line. The Lord responds to all and works for all. He is saying the Lord is love. Ordinary love is selfish, darkly rooted in desires and satisfactions. Divine love is without condition, without boundary, without change. The flux of the human heart is gone forever at the transfixing touch of pure love. The Lord responds to all and works for all. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In other words, God is sacrificing his child to save everybody else. If you talk to most Christians today, they will tell you, I'm not, I'm not, listen, I'm Zoe Williams. I'm not giving up new. (laughs) New is my baby. That's, I'm not giving up any of mine, right? So, again, God is at such a level that he is able to do something that the normal human being can't do. The ancients viewed love as synonymous with God. And so when we take it back to tonight's topic. And we're talking about falling out of love and falling into friendship and falling into companionate relationships. It's typically because. In my opinion, I believe that we have become contaminated by today's society, right? I believe we have become contaminated by today's culture, how we are raised, right? Somebody said, I actually got to read the Bible. Yes, you do. You got to read all of the Holy Scripts, especially as it pertains to love. Andy is telling me, I, I'm, I'm trying to get cooking, but Andy is telling me that I got to move forward. When I come forward, I'm going to finish this thought. Yes. Lord have mercy. Andy is on fire tonight. Listen, man, I'm a music buff, man. I'm a music aficionado. The co-host is out of control right now. Because Andy said, you know what? You know what? If if Zoe is DJ Premier, I'm DJ Ron G. J, I'm DJ Kid Capri. Okay, Andy. Andy's playlist is my co-host right now. Can a husband and wife successfully transition from a friend zone dynamic to a romantic, passionate relationship? Now, transitioning from a friend zone dynamic to a romantic, passionate relationship is indeed possible for a husband and wife, but it requires open, honest, transparent, non-judgmental communication, mutual give and take, mutual respect, mutual understanding, and mutual willingness to explore and rekindle the spark that initially brought them together by actively working on their emotional connections couples can reignite the flame of romance this goes back to what i'm saying about how listen nobody ever said this to you but i'm gonna say it how is it that your love can run out 
How is it that your love can lose steam? Are y'all listening to me? How is it that your love can lose steam? You hear me talk about this a lot when I talk about entropy. And I applied entropy, right, the scientific principle, right, which is the second law of thermodynamics. The second law of thermodynamics says the longer uh, 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 an energy system goes on, the more it begins to break down. Meaning, whatever is in that energy system, that energy will not always be accessible. A perfect example of entropy is when you put gas in your car and you burn it. Do you see? Have you figured it out yet? Forgiveness has entropy. Empathy has entropy. Ooh, ooh. I know y'all not ready for tonight. You want to know why you love? And I'm saying, why is that the case? And I cannot excuse the influence of the culture in which we live. Right? Because like I said, if we go back and we look at the ancients, what they had to say, they speak of love as this high vaulted level of consciousness. It's not a set of rules and behaviors. Listen. Listen to how Krishnamurti put it. As long as one is escaping from loneliness, there is no essential difference between the worship of God and addiction to alcohol. Socially, there may be a difference, but psychologically, the man who runs away from himself, from his own emptiness, whose escape is his search for God, is on the same level as a drunkard. Self-knowledge is the beginning of wisdom, which is the ending of fear. Many of us are in fear-based relationships. What do you mean fear-based relationships? We don't know the person we're dealing with, so we are in fear that we might not get what we want. If we quote the sister Delena Zimmerman, she says, I'm not in love with you. I'm in fear with you. Are you listening? You want to know how your love suffers from entropy? How it begins to break down into chaos. What is chaos? Right? We can no longer access the energy. When you burn the gas, when it, it it's fuel, right? And then it turns into fumes. Does that not happen to our relationships? Love is not something you got to keep refilling. <laughs> Do you understand? So maybe... The container in which we live. What is the container? Well, your attachment style is a container. Your family structure is a container, right? Your society is a container. Maybe the container convolutes, right, or waters down or cuts love. It's not 100% blue magic anymore, right? Krishnamurti, you will know love when the mind is very still and free from its search for gratification and escapes. I, just, can you lean in to me, lean in with me tonight.
You will know love when the mind is free or excuse me, when the mind is very still and free from its search for gratification and escapes. Is not gratification linked to outcomes? Even your therapist and your psychological and your psychologist will tell you relationships are based on C or OLs, outcome levels. I'm here for a particular outcome. And if I don't get the outcome, this relationship was a failure. Krishnamurti goes on to say, first, the mind must be become. First, the mind must come entirely to an end. When he says the mind must come entirely to an end, what he's actually saying is the center, the ego, the me. You want to know why you and 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 when we say they friends, some people even take it to another level. It's not even the friend zone. It's the roommate zone. We just live together. We're not thriving together. We just live together. We got responsibilities together. It is cheaper to keep them. Listen to what he's saying. First, the mind must come entirely to an end. Mind is the result of thought. And thought is merely a passage, a means to an end. I want you all to listen to me now. When life is merely a passage to something, how can there be love? Love comes into being when the mind is naturally quiet, not made quiet or forced to be quiet. Right. Or held in prison. You better be quiet. No. When it naturally comes to this space, which he calls meditation. When it sees the false as the false and the true as the true. When the mind is quiet, then whatever happens is the action of love. It is not the action of knowledge. Knowledge is mere experience. And experience is not love. How many people will judge you based on your experience that they had with you? Their experience of you. They're going to judge you on that. And that's going to obfuscate the purity of love. And that's going to cause relational entropy. You're going to start breaking down. Experience. Listen. I need. Listen to this man. Experience cannot know love. Love comes into being when we understand the total process of ourselves. And the understanding of ourselves is the beginning of wisdom. Do you understand? I, I don't know. Is this? Okay. Rumi is a 13th century Persian poet, theologian, and scholar who was born in the year 1207, right? Which is, you know, he, if he, they say Persian, but he, he lived in present-day uh, Afghanistan, right? And again, he was, he's called one of the greatest uh, mystical and metaphysical poets ever. I, I need you to hear this. Love is the bridge between you and everything. Do we talk like that now about love? You got to have a J-O-B if you want to be with me. No romance without finance. We made a song about prostitution. 
Listen, love is the water of life. Drink it down with heart and soul. Do we talk about love like that today? Do we? Do we? Listen to what he's saying. Stop acting so small. You are the universe in ecstatic motion. Are you, are you listening? Set your love on fire. Seek those who fan your flames. Are you, are you listening? I don't know if you're listening tonight. I know I got callers and I'm going to get to y'all. But when I come, I, I, I really wanted to just break down love. And why many people are in sexless marriages, why many people are in friend-zoned relationships. I need you to understand, love is bigger than what you thought it was. When I come forward, we're going to show you why. All right, so one of the common issues that I hear a lot of men, I'm going to use the word complain about or be frustrated by, is the idea that women friend-zone good men, all right? And men in general, but typically it's happening to those really good guys. And it's frustrating, especially when you see this woman go on to be with a man who isn't so good or maybe labeled a bad boy, whatever the case may be. And so I think there's there's some things we need to clear up to help you avoid ending up in that friend zone by understanding what got you there in the first place. And then that will help you to potentially get out of it. All right, now, I'm gonna be real, some of y'all, you're never gonna get out, not with that specific woman. And sometimes we just have to accept she's just not the one for us, all right? And that means there's someone better that we will be happier with. But for you to have a better understanding of if you have a, a chance to get out, I want you to be mindful of, few, of a few things. So I think the number one reason why a woman, potentially the number one reason, why a woman friend zones a man, and it really happens on both sides, why men do it to women, is because the attraction, the physical and sexual attraction is not strong enough, all right? So someone can think you're a decent looking guy or even a good looking guy, but not be attracted to you, not be drawn to you, that, that sexual desire is not there with you. And it's, an, it's understandable why they would not want to then try to be in a relationship with you because essentially romantic relationships, the missing ingredient that goes from friendship to romantic is attraction. And it's the same way that people can go from romantic to basically acting like two roommates because they lost an attraction to each other. So we can't... I'm sorry. I love the brother Steven Speaks and I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm not saying Steven Speaks is wrong, but he's only talking about one level of consciousness. Attraction is physical. So you have physical, you have, so let's, let's do it this way. Fire, water, earth, air. Okay, fire, water, earth, air. Right? Earth is physical. Okay? Water is emotional. Air is intellectual. And then you have fire, which is which is spiritual. Right. So you have the physical. The emotional air, the mental and then the spiritual fire, water, earth, air. OK. 
So he's talking on a certain level, on a physical level, he's 100% right. But you come in as a human being embodying all of those levels of consciousness. You see it in the root root or in the chakra uh, system. The root chakra deals with physicality. That is the bottom chakra. The chakra of stability, the physical piece. Right. But you got to remember, there are other pieces. So I'm not saying the brother is incorrect. I'm just saying he's correct in a limited space when he breaks that down. It's not just they lost attraction. You can lose your sense of self, which could cause somebody to lose physical attraction. You can lose your confidence, which is. The mental area, the sense of self and the mental area. That's me, my sense of self, right? You can lose your voice, the throat chakra, not speaking up for yourself, and a person could lose attraction for you. So it's not just physical and sexual. All of these things work together. But I, 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 I'm in here preaching tonight about how we lost our true understanding of love, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sacrificed his only son to save people who did not believe in him. The crucifixion can only work if my people believe on me. Did they believe on him? A lot of his people gave him up to the Romans. The crucifixion can only work if you believe on me. A lot of people gave him up to the Romans. That's why in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he say? My God, please take this cup from me, not as I will, but as thy will. Oh, Jesus just had a moment of weakness. No, he understood there was no need. To shed his own blood for people who didn't believe. The crucifixion can only work. If you believe on me. Come on now. That's why you got a whole nother book that they took out of the Bible called the book of Barnabas. That says Jesus's prayers were answered. Even the Bible says every prayer Jesus prayed was answered. So they took out the book of Barnabas because the book of Barnabas says Jesus wasn't crucified. It was Judas that was crucified. It said Judas was made to look like Jesus. Look and sound like Jesus. They said two angels. This is the book of Barnabas. 222 books of Barnabas. Said two angels came down. Gabriel, the messenger of God. And Mikael, the warrior of God, who dares to be like God is what Michael means. Mikael, who dares to be like God? He sent down the two big dogs. And they said they took Jesus out of the Garden of Gethsemane. And then they said the story picks up where Jesus comes back to the Garden of Gethsemane. All of his disciples missed it. Because they were asleep. That's why Jesus kept saying you should be up praying. When Jesus gets back, he said, y'all sleep. Y'all missed it all. <laughs> heavy, 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 heavy interpretation, right? 
love. God wanted to sacrifice his son. That isn't the first time that happened in the Bible. Abraham was asked to sacrifice his firstborn. Love is about sacrifice. And as it comes down into relationships, it's about the sacrificing of your ego. The sacrificing of your wounds, desires. You Listen, man. We're going to be in relationships of convenience for the rest of our lives if we don't sacrifice those wounds. Rumi says it this way. Your task is not to seek for love, but merely seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. (laughs) I don't mean to laugh. I don't. But we struggle because we don't know how to love. We struggle because we don't know how to love. Listen to what I'm about to tell you, Krishnamurti. Love is something totally new every day, but pleasure is not. Pleasure has continuity. Love is always new, and therefore it is its own eternity. Do we see love like this today? Do we think of love like this today? Tonight's topic, if you're just tuning in, have you friend-zoned your wife or your husband? Is it possible to friend zone your husband or wife or significant other? How do you know if you've been friend zoned? When your mar- when is your marriage just a friendship? Right? What should a husband or wife do if they've been friend zoned by their spouse? Right? This is a condition of a sick society. Are there any specific resources or support networks that can help a husband or a husband or wife navigate the challenges of the friend zoned dynamic in their relationship? Before I get to the callers, I'm sorry, callers, you know, I love you and I want you in here. I'm coming to you right after I say this. Right after I say this. Khalil Gibran wrote the most powerful piece on love that I've ever read. And he talks about what comes with love. You know what? I'm going to wait to get into this. I'm going to get to the callers because you guys have been on for quite some time. True Monger from Dallas, Texas. Get in here. Yes, sir. What's up, brother? What are your thoughts on tonight's topic? Oh, man. Um, have, have couples friends on each other? I'm sure they have. I, I mean, at some point, people just get tired of one another for whatever mm. reason. Mm. So they may start acting funny or acting suspect, however you want to phrase it. Um, it could be using it as a way to not lose what they have, but they don't want to uh, break up with them because they feel like they have a security blanket there. Mm but they don't want to be honest with them and say they may feel they may have feelings of moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, some, it could happen by accident. You may be going through a struggle mm-hmm. and you're not sure how to process it, how to communicate it. Um, you may feel like nobody will understand what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So you get become closed off. 
Um, I've been through situations like that when it happened to me. And I've done it to other people, not realizing that was happening at the time. You cooking. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Does love get tired? I don't think love gets tired, but most of us don't know what love really looks like. So you know what you just said then? Mm-hmm. Most of us don't have love. Mm-hmm. We think we it's love, think. It's, but it's probably yeah. attachment, right? Could be. Oh, we're just going by the idea of what we think is love. Mm-hmm. And Go. we try to function that way. Because mm-hmm. um, most people will find it, if they feel like they no longer getting what they want out of it, they'll find an excuse to bounce mm. instead of trying to actually figure out what's going on and try to get it right. They feel like if they just bounce back and, and they attach themselves to somebody else that is necessarily going to change. And it's possible that could happen. More likely you're going to go through the same thing with somebody new mm-hmm. because you're not facing what you need to face. Mm. And you can't avoid, you can't continue to run away from yourself. That whatever you're running from is going to follow you no matter where you go. Mm. Mm-hmm. So if you really care for that person that you're with and y'all supposed to be ten toes down, figure out what's going on and, and make the best out of it. Mm. If, unless, unless the relationship is just ran its course, then you deal with it if that happens. But uh, I, I, I love what you're saying. When re- do you do you hear what I'm trying to dig into right now? You, I'm using your word relationships that have run their course like fuel in a car that gets mm-hmm. burned. Do you see? Can you mm-hmm. see that we're dealing with something that we're calling love, but is actually not? Do you see? Mm-hmm. Like love is. Man, love is indistinguishable. You cannot put out the flames of love. If it's mm-hmm. real, it's real. Period. I think once people realize that in their mind and their spirit, they will function differently. Do you see what I'm they saying? They will treat each other differently. Yeah. Yes. Imagine how much time you would save if you realized that what you were calling love was really a dysfunctional attachment. I think people would be more more honest with each other if they if they figured that out. Right, right. Because I mean, just for, on an individual basis, we all need to recharge our own batteries. But that ideally, that shouldn't change how you feel about the partner if you really love them. You don't go through struggles, yeah. The and those struggles shouldn't cause you to stop loving your partner if you truly love them in the first place. And now what they may have been doing for you. A lot I, of people uh, attach themselves to saying that they love somebody because of what they're getting out of it. You know what love is? Love was Bruce Lee. Love was Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. If, if you know anything about Bruce Lee, mm-hmm. you know his dedication to his craft was obsessive. Yeah. Right? Uh, love is Floyd Mayweather. I gave this example to a sister the other night, and, and y'all going to be like, what is Zoe talking about? No, I get it. When Sugar Shane Mosley rocked Floyd Mayweather with two right hands that almost knocked Floyd out, 
Floyd got him in the grasp. Mm -hmm. And you know what Floyd said to him in his ear? He said, you got to kill me. (laughs) You're going to have to kill me, man. I'm not going to lose. You got. That's what love is. If we if we treat our relationships like that, the divorce rate will drop. Do you, do you see? I'm talking about when it's real, not superficial. Mm-hmm. When it's abusive, when it's disrespectful, when it's superficial, when it's transactional, this doesn't apply. Mm-hmm. But did Bruce well, Lee? Most, most of us are conditioned that way. Exactly. We've been taught. We've been taught the opposite, pretty much. I love it, brother. I love it. Guess what you just did, man. Just brought Dallas in the building. Dallas, Texas is in the building. If you want to bring your city up in here, the voice of reason is on fire tonight. 1 800 Ladies and gentlemen, the VOR back in the building, man. We on top tonight, man. We got a great topic. We got callers on the line. I want to get them in here, man. Uh, Who's been on the uh, Go ahead, Andy. Go ahead. Go ahead. Did I trigger you, off? Yeah, man. <laughs> Heavy record, man. We appreciate it, though. Andy's playlist is my co-host tonight, and he's killing it. Let me get my girl up in here, Nikki from The Sip. Nikki, what are your thoughts on tonight's topic? Brother Zoe and the fam, let's clear up something, maybe, particularly... I'm going to talk to the ladies for a second. We all have heard that love doesn't pay the bills. And I would just like to challenge ladies to change their perspective where that is concerned. God, source, whatever it is that works for you, that is the source of where the bills get paid. If you can envision that and take it off of the man or woman in your life in terms of responsibility, they will become instantly more attractive Mm. because you remove the pressure of them to provide that thing for you. Now, chicks do that because we're designed to be nesters and security is involved there. But if you apply that pressure there all the time, it can cause you to be roommates if something happens and that person doesn't provide that for you. Um, just food for thought. Yes. Just yes. food for uh, Absolutely. Go ahead. Keep going. You cooking. Because I think we we are taught that other thing. And that doesn't mean that a man isn't um, capable, who isn't at the moment capable maybe of financial provision. Real men do that anyway. And when you are in the presence of real manhood, it, it's natural for him to want to provide for you. Right, he's not going. So, he's not going to say, "Can you can you pick up the tip? I'll buy right. the meal. You get the right. tip." He's just going to take right. care of it. That's right. Because <laughs> when you get in the presence of real manhood, the womanhood in you that God created on the inside of you comes to the surface, or it should. Mm-hmm. So, women like beautiful bag handbags. But when I'm with my man, I have a six foot two, two hundred seventy five pound handbag, so I don't need that. <laughs> right, just right. okay. Uh-huh. I'm just saying. So if we take that pressure off of our mate in our our intimate relationships, 
again, he becomes instantly more attractive in a lot of other ways. This I said last night, now love is. Okay, that's a metaphysical experience. It's not just happening or shouldn't be just happening in one plane, particularly where attraction is concerned. And so sometimes when we start to put each other in those other boxes, like a roommate and friend, some of that comes out of we're not getting. Mm. Mm. And but if you are approaching the intimate relationship with now love is and you have put the responsibility for the provision in the place it's supposed to be, not where it represents mm -hmm. or shows up, it, you can avoid being roommates from that perspective. Mm. But we got to grow up um, in the maturity place so that we understand that one of the things that makes a man attractive or, or a woman um, beyond the aesthetically pleasing is the things that make him manly mm -hmm. and provision and protection is part of that. Are to, yeah. Is part of that. Mm -hmm. I can't be the real woman that God created me to be without being in the presence of real manhood. Mm -hmm. I can't do that. It won't operate like it was designed to do. Mm -hmm. And some of our programming, because of pain and wounds and what didn't happen with the man, mama or grandmama, was with teaches us that other thing. Mm -hmm. And so we stop seeing the manhood in them. Or, you know, like you were talking, like we were talking about earlier, the good guy, right? Wait, wait, because wait, hold on, Nick. I got to take you forward. You are cooking. Please keep that thought. When we come forward, more from Nikki from The Sip. Ain't nobody heard that. Y'all know who that is? I had to slip that one in from my playlist. That's Troop. Not in a million years. They just dropped that a couple of years ago. That's legendary group Troop. <laughs> Not in a million years, man. That, that, you know, I remember when it first came out, I, I put my A&R ear on it. I was like, gosh, I wish I was at a major label. I would sign you guys again because you got another runaway hit. But because they didn't have major label backing, that record pretty much went under, you know, uh, under the radar. Man, but they just did that a couple of years ago. Not in a million years by Troop. Look it up. It's on all the platforms. Nikki from The Sip, please get back in here and finish your thought. Well, we were just saying that when we don't sometimes see the good guy as being the guy for us, like maybe he's not rough around the edges enough or whatever in society has taught us street dudes are more attractive. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we overlook the representation of manhood in the good guy because society has taught us he's not attractive because you have to remember that attraction is 
the power of invoking interest and how a man does himself is what makes him attractive. Mm -hmm. And when we sit in the seat of now love is, because it it is, it's not seeking something, it just is. Mm -hmm. It will change our perspective in terms of how we look at what makes a man attractive to us. Mm -hmm. Not for what he can inherently provide, like I'm seeking it, because we already established that real manhood will do all that for you anyway. You don't have to seek it. But how he does him, how he provides for you. Mm -hmm. I used to watch my husband shave for hours when we first got married. I was captivated. Mm -hmm. Now, that seems like a really strange thing to to be interested in watching a man do. Mm -hmm. But it taught me about what made him attractive to me. Mm. Watching him care for himself. Mm Tells me how he'll care for me. Hmm. Hmm. Because my husband's shaved with a straight edge. So if you care about your Adam's apple enough to glide <laughs> that blade. Right, right, right. You can shave my legs and I'm going to be good. You're going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. And so I would, I would challenge us. See, that's a love that endures, that doesn't stop, that doesn't run out. Mm-hmm. that will always exist mm. because that's a part of him in the love place. Mm. Mm. I love it. I and love so it. When you, you can get yourself out of as females, we'll always want to be secure and we all will always want a man who makes us feel that way. Mm-hmm. I'm just challenging us to make sure we put the responsibility for that in the correct place. Right, And then we can get to focusing on the man at hand and seeing that manhood representation. So he stays attractive and he, or a woman, whichever side you're on. Mm-hmm. And then they don't become your roommate. Right. That's going to always make me want him. I love that. I love that. Nikki, guess what you just did? I love you. And I brought the sip in the building. Mississippi is in the building. You just got a sermon from Nikki from Mississippi. I appreciate it. Let me get my brother John from Mountain View, Hawaii up in here. John, get in here. And uh, and, and after uh, the Archbishop just spoke, you want me to speak after that? I do. It's right. called disrespecting the church. <laughs> you you wrong for this one. Right after Archbishop <laughs> Nikki finished, you got to follow it right up. Right after Come Archbishop on. Nikki. Okay, now now the, the ceremony has been handed to me. Hey, yeah, he, he, he gave you the organs you've been asking for. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Well, well, thank you, Andy. Appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna be brief uh, because as I was considering calling in, I was also working on something to send you as far as what your next show might be. Uh oh. Topic suggestion, let's go. Okay, and it was on the same lines of what was basically being spoken of tonight. But my title was, Was Love a Road to Disrespect? Ooh. Ooh, ooh. Oh, wow. I can't wait for you to send me this. Send it to me, man. 
send it to me, and I'm gonna go into well, my little wheelhouse. I, I, give you these, <laughs> I give you two questions, and then I'm gonna get off. Okay. The questions are: Is there such such an experience as unconditional love that you've seen before? And if you have seen it, what are the receipts? Mm, okay, I got you. And what's if the other loving one? yourself is the big, go ahead. No, I'm saying, what's the other question? If loving yourself is the beginning of understanding what love is, mm-hmm. what are the first steps? I love it. Please, all you got to do is just write out three, three or four more questions, and then I'll take it from there, and we're gonna turn it into a full blown topic. We'll mess around and make this Monday's topic. John, guess what you just did? I brought Mountain View in the building. Andy, don't cut me off just yet. Love you, bro. Be safe. Stay dangerous. And the focus is this year, not just what you need as far as what love can provide. What about you loving yourself? I love it, brother. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. When we come forward, we're going to go right to what? South Central Los Angeles. When we come forward, L.A. is in the building. Ladies and gentlemen, the VOR returns after coming full circle. Y'all know what it is. My brother is in the building, JW. You the final caller of the night, man. We got to make it quick, though. Talk to me, brother. Hey, 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 Zoe. Happy New Year to you, bro. Yeah, man. I'm glad I was able to come on. Uh, two calls after Missy uh, from Mississippi. But, um, my uh, message always tie in or connect the dots, but had that similarity in reference to what uh, she was referencing a true value of a man in terms of society. And a woman would really be happy if she recognized a man's real genuine worth, which is eternal. And all his other qualities that he possessed or capabilities or flexibilities or the you know, um, have the ability to be versatile other than pay the bills because that's a European standard. Follow my point? I hear you, brother. Keep going. And so one thing, we already have the blueprint or the template or the roadmap to navigate and be successful with uh, knowing what the formula is with Martin Luther King Jr., with this love and using that to combat evil or hatred or sin and that's a non-violence love or love for your fellow human being or humanity or a person that's you know someone you'll know or your next door neighbor like the Bible say as well as Manhattan and Gandhi where he got the doctor from and Manhattan and Gandhi got from who else but Jesus Christ and he Christ was one of the master, uh, uh, I would say like this, uh, all your prophets and all your, um, what's the word you use other than prophets, your um, philosophers. Okay. He was the major philosopher. He was the match, master teacher. Okay. He was the primary um, teacher. And speaking of primary, primary, you got to put your uh, 
your um now, priorities in a proper perspective. Now, J.W., so I ask you to keep it short. I ask you to get here. You are. You over here preaching. Up. I just thumbs it up. <laughs> Put your priorities in the proper perspective, and that's to follow the master. That's right. Try for the higher calling of that, and don't miss the mark. That's right. I love you, brother. Guess what you just did? Well, South Central in the building. Hey, man, we love you, J.W. South Central is in the building because of you. When I'm talking about love is being undefeated, I'm not talking about unhealthy emotional attachments. I'm not talking about dysfunction. I'm not talking about toxic attachments, right? Where your partner might be experiencing, you know, significant jealousy or distrust of you or having a, a you know, having a strong need that your partner always got to be there or struggling with excessive anger and frustration or assuming your partner must meet all of your emotional needs or finding no balance in a one-sided relationship or modeling some negative uh, attachment style from your past or lack of emotional regulation. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying we live in a society that doesn't have or doesn't promote a space that's healthy for true love to emerge. Now, you guys know I love Dr. David R. Hawkins, who is the author of a book called The Eye of the Eye. And on in chapter 17, page 328 and 329, you know, there's a question, right? Or there's an answer provided about love. What is love? And he says, love is misunderstood to be an emotion. Actually, it's a state of awareness, a way of being in the world, a way one sees oneself and others. Love for God or nature or even one's pets opens the door to spiritual inspiration. The desire to make others happy overrides selfishness. The more we give love, the greater our capacity to do so. It is a good beginning to practice merely mentally wishing others well in the course of your day. Love blossoms into lovingness, which becomes progressively more intense, non-selective, and joyful. There is a time when one falls in love with everything and everyone they meet. This is not a sexual love. I need you guys to understand that. This is a deep admiration and appreciation for all that we are thankful and grateful for. But I do want to say this. Sometimes you get put in the friend zone because you hurt your woman or you hurt your man. Right? Sometimes we hurt each other and putting that person who hurt us in the friend zone is a defense mechanism to keep them from hurting us again. You know, without actually, you know, holding them in contempt and banishing them from your life. But you need to understand, many people misinterpret what love is because they may have never seen it. But I will tell you this, love is not all passive. Love is not all soft. Sometimes love hurts, but it doesn't hurt in a way that it is 
abusive. Love hurts in a pruning way. Have you ever had the love of your life teach you the harshest lesson you've ever learned? You loved them and you couldn't believe that they may have said something or done something. And now you're at the crossroads that says, am I going to take this resentment coupon and hold it over their head for later on? Or is this an opportunity to understand what forgiveness is and how I can take an injury a spiritual injury or an emotional injury from my partner and not be devastated and destroyed about it, right? Love, love prunes you. And that's what I love about Khalil Gibran, right? His poem on love. It's such a powerful poem, man. When love beckons to you, follow him, though his ways are hard and steep. And when his wings enfold you, yield to him. Though the sword is hidden among his pinions, may wound you. And when he speaks to you, believe him. Though his voice may shatter your dreams as the north wind lays waste to the garden. For even as love crowns you, so shall he crucify you. Even as he is for your growth, he is so for your pruning. Even as he ascends to your heights and caresses your tenderness or your tenderest branches that quiver in the sun, so shall he descend to your roots and shake them in their clinging to the earth. He uses this poem to go back and forth about how love is highs and lows. We, we, somebody told us love is, love is the exact same as buying a, a luxury sedan. Soon as you drive it off the lot, it's going to depreciate. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but the difference between love and that luxury sedan. Love will hold its value. Love will increase its value. If you continue to pour into it. Listen, you're not supposed to agree with me. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I started the conversation. You finish it up next. The fire shall continue. I'm, hey, I'm wishing everybody a great weekend. Up next, my sister, your sister, our sister, my friend, Jill Monroe. RSVP with Jill Monroe. Up next, the fire continues. Holla. Holla.